Welcome to episode number 277 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Ryan. I'm Jill. And I'm Michael. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to discuss Doomsday. How will it all end? No, seriously, it's kind of Linux related though, but it's it's. We might doomsday. need to be a little bit more specific. About, we're talking about Doomsday commands that you shouldn't run. All right, so, fine. It's not as it's not. I mean, it's still Linux. <laughs> not as doomsday. It's, it doesn't feel doomsday now. Well, it's, gonna, it's right. not. It's not a negative doomsday. It's a fun. Don't run these commands type of doomsday. Oh, fine. We'll keep it fun because Jill's here. Then we're going to discuss <laughs> the latest release of Tails, the privacy advocate's favorite amnesic distro. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this coming up right now on Destination Linux. So last week, we heard about Jill's new computer build. And this week, let's find out about what Ryan's been up to lately. So Ryan, what have you been up to this week? Doomsday. No. Okay. Well, I've that's been a, playing. That's, you shouldn't be up to that. No. <laughs> I've been playing with the UM700. I actually have a video out on my channel. This is the machine that Majaro sent to us. Well, they sent it to Michael first because we were supposed to do this collab thing. And then Michael broke it. True story. No, it was and, not my fault. That's how it came. Don't don't put okay, it on okay. me. Supposedly it came broken <laughs> yes. to Michael. And then it came to me and then it, I upgraded it and turned this thing into a Nextcloud local instance, a Pi-hole, a Plex server, and did some gaming on it. But specifically, when I was trying to... I don't know what happened. I was messing with different things, and I came across this game called Progress Quest. Now, this is not something I'm recommending because I don't think it's open source. I think he did open source part of the source code, but not the full thing. This whole concept makes no sense. It's a game that plays itself. Okay, it just runs in the background. You do nothing, and it tells you your character stats, and your character goes on quests by themselves, <laughs> and you just check in and see the armor and what you're fighting, and that's it. And you just let it go on and on forever. That's the only time for gaming I have anymore is to let an let AI it automatically <laughs> do all the gaming for me. And so I've been running this game on this little server for like three or four days now. And you can link it up online to compete with other players who just leave this worthless AI that does nothing running this game that does nothing in there, but I still don't want to shut it down because now I have like mithril bone armor and all kinds of stuff I've acquired on my quest. Yeah, you so, don't want to lose all the stuff that you didn't do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so check out Progress Quest anyways. It's kind of a little fun nice. thing, but the little machine is interesting. Check out my video. I kind of go through the pros and cons of it. I really appreciate Manjaro and the Minis Forum for sending that to us for us to play with and letting us keep it. Because a lot of times you have to send that stuff back. So we're able to put this in production with Nextcloud and other things in there. And it's a really neat server machine. And the price keeps dropping on it too. I think it's down to like the eight gigabyte versions down to 489 or something for that. And if you remember that thing started at a pretty good price to begin with and it just, you know, it's dropping down. So if you want to pick one up, check out that video, see if it's something you could put to work. But UM700, that's what I've been playing with. Awesome, nice. Ryan. Yeah, also <laughs> in the chat. Oh, Angus is, is saying it's easier than keeping a Tamagotchi alive. That, that, yes. that, that progress quest. I guess you're right. <laughs> it's even easier than that, which is sad. But once you have kids, the only game you could play is one that plays oh. itself. <laughs> yeah. kind of All right, it is. Before we get into the feedback this week, we have a very special thing to do right now, and that is wish someone 
a happy birthday. And that person Oh, you is, shouldn't have, Michael. Is is Jill. Is, is oh. Jill. Yeah. Jill. Happy birthday, Jill. Oh thank you so much, you guys. I think we should sing happy birthday to Jill, Michael. We probably get copyright strike though. Oh, oh we just make our own version. Happy 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 Birthday. Bur- birthday. Yeah, birthday. Happy Happy there you go jill that's our happy birthday we are so happy (laughs) you're with us we love everything about you we're so happy this day has happened again and again and again every (laughs) single year for your birthday jill we're we're just thrilled to have you with us and you're doing something very special this evening as well you're going to your favorite place in the world well your second favorite place your favorite place in the world is here with yes, us exactly and then your second favorite place is disneyland and so yes <laughs> so that's where i'm going today and thank you michael and ryan for the wonderful gift you sent me on steam <laughs> you're very very welcome very listen awesome. it's awesome having a gamer friend because you know what gift to give them a steam yeah. gift card it makes it very, very easy, easy to choose yeah. yes that's the good thing about having a gamer in your life and that's sure. going to my steam deck i i should be getting a notification anytime I know. They really should rush ours. Don't they know who we are? Exactly. I mean, Valve. Come on, Valve. (laughs) Give you so many props. Well, happy birthday, Jill. I hope you have the most amazing day in the world today at Disneyland. I know you will. I'm here with you guys. So that's my the best part of my day today. Look at that, Michael. Jill's just so fantastic. She's so perfect. One day I want to be more like Jill. One day I'm not ready yet. I'm too much yeah. doomsday still. But one day I want to be. There, <laughs> we got to work you know? on that. We got to work. I want to mature that. to Jill's level. All right, we've got our community feedback this week, and it comes from Axeli. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but that's as close as I come. If you want to send your own feedback, you can at tuxdigital.com/contact. Get in touch or join the DLN community forum by going to dlnforum.com. But Axeli writes us to say, "I just need to enthuse about." This to someone who understands. Last summer, I installed Ubuntu on my desktop, and I haven't booted Windows since. All Woo-hoo. games I play work, especially now that Steam Deck arrived, and I can play even Apex Legends now. Some Linux native games, like X4 Foundations, has had better performance on Linux than Windows, and that's a really heavy game. On programming side, I've gotten way more productive because the tools are very easy to install and available. I even learned how to use Vim. Okay, that is impressive, and I don't mean to be a downer, but did you learn to exit it? Because that's the real... That's the test. Using Vim is one thing. Exiting (laughs) it? That's it. No, I'm teasing. That's awesome. On my free time, I do game development, so my plan is to make my next game launch on Linux first. Linux community is helpful with bug hunting, so it should be great. Plus, I just like to turn the tables around when it comes to this. I find Linux gaming support important. I wrote a post about it here, which will have a link in the show notes. I've started self-hosting my own stuff like Google Drive to NextCloud, my own Matrix home server, my own Gatia instance, and it was fun. Basically, the whole Linux thing reignited my love for computers and tinkering with them. There's no walls to tell me what to do and what not to do, which is both blessing and a curse, but for me, mostly a blessing. This summer, the Windows partition will go bye-bye from my PC. I don't need it anymore, and I'm legitimately happier I've been in a long time because of the simple OS change. Makes sense. Since I have always been very involved with computers, I learn a lot every day and it just makes me happy. That's all. Cheers and thank you for the amazing podcast. Well, thank you first for the amazing email. This is awesome. There's so many layers of awesome here. I don't know what to unravel first. You've talked about the gaming being amazing, which 
absolutely is the case. This is the greatest time ever to be a gamer in Linux because of the amount of games that we can play now. Things like AAA titles like Apex Legends and stuff. You talked about hosting your own stuff and switching away from the privacy invasive tools that are out there. I mean, you're dominating on all fronts, man. You're killing it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and XLE, I think you summed up the many reasons why why us Linux users love Linux. I, I loved his line. Basically, the whole Linux thing reignited my love for computers and tinkering with them. <laughs> There's right. no walls to tell me what to do and what not to do. And he says, I learn a lot every day, and it just makes me happy. That nice. sums yep. it up so nicely, why we are Linux users. <laughs> we love to right. tinker and have fun with our OS and make it or customize it to our own. Excelly, when you get your games launching on Linux, let us know, and we will we will review them here on Destination Linux and let Matt on GameSphere have fun doing a live stream playing them. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Especially since you're doing Linux first. Hit us up so we can get the name yeah. of your game and everything out there when you release it. And I know how much goes into a game. My brother does game development, how much it goes into creating one. So I know how much work and stuff you're putting into that. And the thought of putting Linux before anything else, I think is awesome. Yeah, Appreciate that's amazing. That. So we'd, we'd love mm -hmm. to promote it. Yeah, we would definitely love to have it on the show and talk about it. And this it's really cool that you're doing that Linux first. And the stuff that you're talking about with the reignited your love for computers and tinkering with them, that is one of the coolest things about Linux. And you mentioned how there's no... You know, no one telling you what to do and what not to do, which, yes, is a blessing and a curse. There are benefits of that. And also, sometimes you would want someone to tell you what, you, what to do. And that's what the community for the Tux Digital Network is all about. So if you need assistance, anyone listening to the show, feel free to go to the forum and go to TuxDigital.com for more information on how to do that stuff. Because the community is fantastic. We got tele the Telegram rooms, Matrix rooms, forums, Discord, all sorts of stuff. Yep. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Also, with DigitalOcean, you get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. And also with DigitalOcean, you get support at every stage of growth. Whether you are just one person working on a team or you have a team of a thousand people, with simple, powerful cloud computing, you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free. Because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022 to sign up. Again, that's do.co slash tux2022 because you can get the $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. So you don't want to skip out on that. Go to do.co slash tux2022. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. Jill, Michael, you know what's really fun? Doomsday. Doomsday is so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. You mean like the Doomsday machine in Star Trek? Da -da, yes. Da -da, da -da, there you go. Da -da, da -da, da -da, da -da. Good job, Jill. <laughs> All right. Let me clarify about this Doomsday stuff a little bit, I guess. Uh, we're talking about Doomsday commands in Linux. Now, this is definitely the episode 
where you're going to just want to listen and not try these commands on your machine. If you do try these commands in your own machine, that's you're taking that risk on your own. You can't come back and blame us in an email and tell us, why did you tell us to do this? Because we're telling you not to. We're just going to talk about them. But if you do want to run them for fun, and we did this earlier this week, mm -hmm. Michael and I, we ran them in a VM. And I broke the heck out of that VM pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it, it was yep. wrecked by the yeah. time we were done going through these commands. So uh, this is something to really educate you, I think, in what not to do in Linux. And this is actually very important when it comes to people trying to trick users into yeah. running certain commands the when you're pasting, cut and pasting. Of these things. There you go, yeah. prank. Yeah. yeah. There's there's, there's things that people happen to do these uh, on chat rooms or forums or just a conversation just to kind of make jokes. But sometimes people aren't aware that they are jokes and might run them. So this is a episode we wanted to do to you know provide that information because this is such a good idea that Ryan had and a lot of people look at Destination Linux as a guide to get started in Linux and that's one of the things that we enjoy making this show for those people and also to provide extra information for people who are already using Linux. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had a episode where we tell people you know, things not to do when you're getting started with Linux? Because we always talk about what to do. Let's talk. What's and uh, and yeah. like the, for the email, <laughs> the feedback we got about not always having stuff telling you not to do. It's perfect because that's what we're gonna do for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Although you kind of you called it pranks. Did you imagine being that kind of friend? Where you're like, ha, Michael, oh, just made boy. you delete your whole. You got pranked. Phone. Your system's broken. Got you. <laughs> I'm yeah, so exactly. good and clever. Oh, you didn't do a backup last week? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, all right, so let's start with a classic here. I mean, this one, I think a lot of people who've been in Linux community kind of know. I heard about it pretty early on. I think some people actually tried to prank me with this one pretty early on in my Linux thing as well. Oh, and this is the yeah. RM space tack RF and then the slash. So the R, of course, is recursive, so it goes through all the subdirectories, and the F flag is the force command creating the perfect destructive command to never execute on your root directory is the RM. So I've seen this used with pranks in websites and things where people are like, hey, how do I remove this package? And then someone will say this. Right. Right. Because they're so funny. They're so edgy out they're there. They're so funny. Exactly. So edgy. But I, I've seen people do this on, you know, like, this is the most commonly done prank, as it were. And... This is kind of, uh, it also becomes a joke once you know it. So I've heard people say it and, and it's very clear. But every time I, he I hear it, I kind of like, I feel like I have to explain it every time. It's like, oh, don't really do that though. But yeah, RMRF is one of the things. But it is good that this particular one has become a classic to the point where the people who make it realize they need to fix this so that it doesn't do this anymore. And there's a an extra flag that you have to put in before it allows you to do it. Because the, the dash F for the forcing with the RMRF is no longer uh, recognized if you put it on your root file system. So you have to have the no preserve root flag on there for it to actually work. So hopefully that's enough for people to go, maybe I shouldn't do that. But they also might not know what root is in the very beginning. So uh, it still might not be enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, boy. And I actually ran this years ago on a system. It was one of my uh, actually 486s back in the 90s because I was getting ready to wipe the drive and reinstall Linux because I just wanted to see what exactly happened. And it right. works. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's some protection built in, but I don't know that we know all distros protect against it. No. Right? That's so, true. Uh -uh. We don't know in if the early one, early In the early years, they didn't. Don't assume that, again, <laughs> run, run these in a VM at your own risk. We are professionals. Yeah. Do not do this at home. We're trained professionals. We are self-proclaimed trained professionals. Exactly. And, and I have ran RMRF just to see what would happen. So I had it running on the live system and I did it. But it was it was a system I didn't. I was already fully aware I was going to be re like reinstalling or whatever. So I wasn't going to lose any data. Keep that in mind. Again, self-proclaimed trained professionals. What I did was I wanted to see how, would the system keep running after I deleted everything. And it did for a while. It was surprising. It took a while for it to actually crash the system, which not it, it, not to say that that was fun. If you're aware what's going to happen, that might be might might be fun. Because that's I, extreme <laughs> distro hopping right yes. there, man. Yeah. yeah, that's when you're I taking like it, it to a to a new level. But yeah. there was this next the next one I wanted to talk about with the command is something that I didn't even know about until you mentioned it in, for the show, and yeah. that is history space. Uh, the pipe symbol, and then space SH. Now, this one's a really fun one, quote-unquote. It <laughs> executes every command you've previously run from your terminal history at once. So, well, it's it's in sequence. So it's a great way to prank your friends, like we great said. Great way. Prank. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's th this was crazy because when I was like, wait a minute, everything you have ever run is being run through this. Okay, well, that's that's a new one for me. And... It is actually cancelable, so if it if someone does get you to do it, you can just hit That's control. That's the downside of this. Yeah, you know? yeah. This yeah. one you, you hit control C. There's probably a way we it. can make it uncancelable. That's what we gotta figure out next. Yeah, let's make, make it more it worse. doomsday. That's what yeah. <laughs> You no. know, I was just realizing this may be an interesting way of writing a, a script. So when you install a new distro and it goes through and ins installs everything <laughs> using, uh, you know, apt-get or pac Macro whatever. with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. You probably could just go through your history list and pick out the things that you want to keep rather yeah. than the deletions. <laughs> so and... weak, Michael. We got to roll the <laughs> dice, man. This is like being in Vegas. Like, roll yeah. the dice, see what happens. You probably forgot half the commands you ran. Just let it go. You never know. If you, it's only been a year from, since the last uh, install, you maybe you just run everything and it just works exactly, and you get right back to where you were after about three to four days of letting it run things. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next one we have is DD. No, no doomsday command discussion, in my opinion, is complete without DD, uh, which Absolutely. is used to convert and copy a file. Uh, many of you even out there, experienced users, many, many of you experienced users in the Linux world have accidentally used DD against their main drive versus the USB drive, which is the most common mistake that you see happening with people out there. That's why DD got the amazing nickname of Disk Destroyer out there because yep. you will commonly see DD being used when people are asking, how do I get this ISO burned over to my USB drive? Oh, just use the DD command, it's so simple. But if you don't have the proper drive path there, well, you're <laughs> going to write that ISO to your main drive and everything else gets erased, which is, it's fun. DD is a fun one. 
It's a oh, fun one. Yep. <laughs> it definitely is. I've never destroyed my main drive, but I have accidentally chose the wrong USB flash drive. So after that, I decided, okay, whenever I use this command, I'm only going to have the one flash drive <laughs> plugged into the computer that I want to DD. <laughs> so. I trusted myself so little with <laughs> Linux in the beginning. I used to unplug all of my drives and just leave the one drive I was going to reinstall a distro on because I always figured Aww. I was going to mess something up in there. <laughs> so uh, now I'm much more comfortable not having to do that because I know how to identify my drives properly. But back then, DD was a risky bet for a lot of people. And it was so risky and everybody warned me about it so much that I've never actually, knock on wood, done this to destroy USB. But Michael, you didn't you do it once early on? What? Come on now. <laughs> I can, as a self-proclaimed professional, I can absolutely tell you that I have never once ever run a DD command to break my system in 2022. That has never happened, <laughs> and I, I'm confident <laughs> with saying that. All right, all right, good. Well, <laughs> I had used DD uh, way back in a version five of Unix, so it's been around since the 80s. I used it on a PDP 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thankful for all of you for warning me the heck out of this command because that's the only reason I haven't destroyed everything because I, <laughs> I'm so paranoid hearing the stories that I'm double, triple, quadruple checking when I do it. But I think a lot of people got caught with DD and it's only a matter of time when it happens to me in yeah. the future there. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. You can't avoid the disk destroyer forever. Eventually, you're yes. going you know, to be tired. You really shouldn't be messing with it. And then you just decide to go ahead and do it. And Yeah, it'll happen. All right. Well, there's there's another command we're going to talk about that has a lot of different variations that you might see it somewhere. And mm -hmm. now there's people who disagree with how it's pronounced. Some people say chmod, and I like to say schmod. Oh, I say chmod. For, for, for no reason, I just like schmod. I like to break them up. Break it up to two syllables. Chmod. Schmod. C H mod. No, you gotta you gotta put a break in there. It's chmod. Change mode. Change oh, yeah, mod. Okay, so it's not schmod. It's mod there yeah. you go. okay yeah. i got it i got it now this is a powerful command allows you to change permissions of all sorts of stuff directories files but you can add the r the dash r and a 777 and end up with a kind of a security nightmare because you'd have some broken packages you'd also basically essentially that would make it so that every every file in your system and every directory in your system is accessible to anyone on the computer and you don't really want to do that well, the interesting thing about 777 is I see this recommended to people when they're having permission issues and they're just like, mm -hmm. just run, you know, the chmod tac r 777 so that you can have permissions to whatever needs it. Maybe it's a virtual box permission or something else on their machine, but they run it in the wrong place. Man, that's just going to... That's going to open up all kinds of... The whole reason of running Linux is for security and privacy. Then this is a command you want to be careful with running against your whole machine there because you just yeah. open everything up. You're basically creating Windows. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, yeah, basically. It's your it, command to convert Linux <laughs> to Windows. And this is a, one a lot of users run because uh, we use uh, change mode all the time. Yeah. Especially, you know, for changing f file permissions. It's really easily easy, easy to do this one incorrectly. <laughs> Neil added 000 means nobody has rights. So that would be pretty devious to 000 yeah. zero at it. <laughs> yeah. Those are some fun <laughs> ones to play with. All right. Okay. And play with NVM. <laughs> yes. Play with NVM. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
So the next one's kind of not going to translate well in a podcast form, but it's basically try colon, it. try it, parenthesis, okay. parenthesis, close parenthesis, bracket, colon, pipe, colon, ampersand, bracket, semicolon, colon. Did I do it? All right, all right. Ryan. It's totally clear to everyone who's listening to the show. Yes. If you put that in your terminal, this is what they call a fork bomb. And it keeps repeating itself, eventually crashing your system. Yes, I did this live on a VM while talking to Michael and Jill. Yes. All of a sudden, my fans kick up on my machine. It's like, <laughs> and this thing just is just flipping across the screen. And it's kind of like uh, DDoSing yourself or something. I don't know. It's crazy. Or denial of service. Like, yeah. It's like a yeah. service yeah. attack. Yeah. It's basically so. making your system yeah. use all the RAM and all the swap data you have until your system just can't take it anymore. And then it just, you know, needs to be turned off to be in order to restart the whole thing. It's fun to play with, though. You got, <laughs> if you want to see if your fans are working properly, stuff, <laughs> you want to check yeah, the performance that's... of your machine, fork bomb yourself. I mean, this is the new stress test. I think when you build a new machine to run in there, it's pretty fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is the move command. So there's MV command. If this is pranked on you, it essentially is the intention of taking a file and moving it to null, which puts it into a void of non-existence. <laughs> so basically it deletes everything that you put in there because dev yeah, null is- I couldn't get this one to work though. I couldn't get this one to work. It yeah. wouldn't move anything to dev null. Don't try to show me that it works by <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing this on your main machine. Yeah, do it in a VM. <laughs> I think it also matters it, like what you're kind of trying to move. In. Like maybe you're trying to move a folder to a, to that folder. You it might not work, or a file to that folder might work. I don't, there's different configurations, but we're we're again not recommending you do this. That's why they're called doomsday commands. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we're not recommending they do it. I just in a VM if you want to try yeah, it, yeah, play yeah, around. Yeah. Sure, I mean, guess. yeah, the blast. <laughs> You got to this stuff at home. You can prank yourself. <laughs> Michael, you added a couple others in here, like a command push, it looks like, to dev SDA and right. a flushing file comp, mm -hmm. maybe? Yeah, so what this does is basically it's the greater than symbol. So you put anything really in front of it, then a greater then a greater than symbol, and then something after it that's, you know, you don't want to touch, like some kind of config file or dev SDA, because dev SDA means your main operating system drive. So you never want to touch that unless you know what you're doing. So what it's do, what it's essentially this means is that it's taking whatever the, the output of the command is and directly writing it to this location. So it could be writing it over your operating system or replacing a config file with this thing. So I will have it in the show notes to show you like what exactly this kind of structure is. It's not a super common one, but it is something that I know people might run into. And we I wanted to put that in the show as well. So it essentially just mm -hmm. sends output from one command to another. And I commonly use this to output data into like a text file. So if I'm running a log, I will use the greater than symbol and then put like whatever.txt and then now I have a log of what the output of that command is. So there is a very good use for it, but it, you also make sure you're not doing it to the wrong location. But you know, this next command, Michael, wget is so convenient. How many times in a documentation for software or something is wget in there? But wget could be used quite maliciously. 
Because if you're not checking that site, you could be getting something from, you could be downloading some malicious code out there instead of just getting that thing you want. So somebody could trick you pretty easy with that. And they could do the TACO, TAC, and then pipe and SH so that when you do the WGET, by the time you realize maybe that I shouldn't have checked that site before I just downloaded or that file, it's already <laughs> executing on your machine. So this would be a pretty clever way to trick a lot of people with WGET. WGET could be used maliciously. Yep. Yeah. Most of these things can be done for good and bad, right? So it's mostly taking something that's made to be good and using it bad. And WGET is very commonly used to download files to your system in a quick, like, script style. Very care, like, this is a good cautionary tale. If you see the pipe followed by SH, be very careful what it's doing. <laughs> yes. Yep. And like Count Zero says in chat, anytime also you see curl, curl, pipe, you know, they, they could lead to destructive things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Absolutely. So some of these commands have been altered over the years to address these issues. Uh, not all of them, but some of them have. So, for example, we talked about the RMRF now requires you to have an extra flag to be able to make it go through. But of course, someone could just tell you to run that flag too. And if you don't know, it wouldn't solve anything. But, you know, essentially the the message for this episode or this particular topic is don't copy pasta stuff at random, you know? Copy pasta. <laughs> yeah, Man, you, that's so it's good, It's like you were Michael, born on the that. internet, Michael. Yeah. Like you, you know all of the little lingos and everything. It's just I, it's adorable. I, I do my best. It's adorable. I do <laughs> Well, if these commands weren't fun enough to learn about, you could always check out things like Suicide Linux, where if you enter one command wrong, any command wrong at all, it will wipe your whole hard drive. Mm -hmm. Something for the truly elite Vim users out there. You talk about, ooh, I figured out how to exit Vim, no problem. Look at me, I'm so fancy. Or, well, listen, your next step is to run this version of Linux. Never make a mistake again. Show you are the perfect Linux user. Check out Suicide Linux. Just don't put any important <laughs> files on it because you will make a mistake. You will lose some stuff. Don't do it. Yeah. So if you want to play with Suicide Linux as a prank to yourself, then okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is I, I put it on here because I was like, I didn't even know this was a thing. Red Star OS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this yeah. is the official distro of North Korea. If you've ever wanted to know what it's like to live in a dictatorship, check out Red Star. Uh, it features a modified Mozilla Firefox. What a salesmanship called... right there. <laughs> Thank you. I could sell anything, man. You know? Uh, Nainara, which is used to browse the Nainara web portal in North Korea's national intranet, right? Because they don't have access to the internet, known as Kwanyong. Uh, the operating system utilizes a customized version of KDE. So there you go. Software compilation, Michael. It's got KDE. Yeah. It's got, uh, it's in my, I, I'm thinking about it now. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You might want to download it for that. But my favorite feature is this. Now, this is innovation, people. Uh, the North Korean government obviously wants to track all the underground market of USB flash drives used to exchange foreign films, music, and writing. So the system watermarks any file when a portable media is attached to the computer. So it knows about it. And I feel like this is the closest experience Linux users can get to being on a Windows machine. It's going to automatically yeah. track everything you're doing and watermark your files and put metadata embedded in there. And that's an interesting experience for people. So check out Red Star OS. And then the other one Asterix, that I thought was a... Not really. Continue. Not really. <laughs> 
The other one that I thought was like something on the level with Suicide Linux, but we found out Jill actually legitimately runs this thing mm -hmm. yeah. for some reason is Rat Poison, the DE where yeah. there is no mouse. Uh, so this is a good one to prank your friends with. You install it on their machine and then they'll never get a mouse to work. Or if you're Jill for some reason, you, you choose just like to use using it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and if someone comes on uh, one of my machines when I'm running rat po poison, they wouldn't know how to use it because I don't use the default key bindings. <laughs> they Jill is the perfect uh, anti-hacker. Yeah. Between the floppy disk passwords and the rat poison, no one's going to even want to mess with her machine. Disc. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because Rat Poison is a, a, a window manager I've known about for a long time, and I have never used and never talked ah. to anyone who had used it, except <laughs> until I met Jill, who, of course, uses Rat Poison sometimes. But I do want to say that for a, a window manager whose purpose is to get rid of the mouse, calling it Rat Poison is an awesome name. Like, that's just... It's brilliant. That's fantastic. That's so clever. Fantastic job there. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in Star Trek where Scotty's talking to the mouse and he's like, hello, computer. Hello, yes. computer. And then he's like, how quaint, you know, at the end when they tell him he can't talk to the computer. So maybe that's yeah. it. it's kind of forcing the future of uh, talking to your computer down the pipe. And, and you can use it to to run um, the uh, AA Lib or, or the CACA Lib in Terminal to, you know, play Star Wars <laughs> in ASCII. There you go. <laughs> Rat poison. Check check that one out too sure. if you want to there. But that yeah. is all the doomsday commands for Linux. This was way too much fun. It was fun actually going through and doing these commands live. Yeah. And watching <laughs> your machine react to it. And it is interesting, as Michael mentioned, that a lot of this stuff has been fixed over the years to try to put warnings and things. Not all of it. A lot of it has been fixed to try to put warnings and things to people in there. So this stuff has been around for a long time. There have been a lot of pranksters in the Linux world for a minute there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was so much that they decided maybe we should do something about it. <laughs> you know what would be fun is for our community to put the pranks they've done to people, like in, if you're oh, in tech great. or IT yeah. or other things, like what are some pranks? Put that in our forum and tell us about some of the pranks that you've seen IT run or that you've run on people in the past. I know one time uh, our IT department, I may have been leading at the time, uh, had a person who was particularly obnoxious, so we changed their signature on their email to a really funny quote that made them look ridiculous. And they didn't find it for months. They Because who looks at their own email signature? And so they were just sending... You know how people oh, put, how put like really inspirational quotes? Yeah. But we, we put a really, really silly inspirational quote there. Uh, and uh, that's as far as I'll go with that's that. Fun. And they just kept sending... <laughs> It kept sending the emails for months. And eventually they found out. And I remember the moment of sitting in the IT room and the, the person busts in the room and was like, who changed my signature? And we're like, I don't know. That's just crazy. Oh, my God. We'll fix that for you right away. That's crazy talk. <laughs> I mean, there are some prank pranks that are, that are not going to be malicious. They're just going to be annoying for sure. Like, that would be pretty annoying. Switching the keyboards around, yeah. uh, keys my, around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, switching it to Dvorak, and they're like, what's wrong with my keyboard? There's also uh, one that I, I thought was kind of brilliant, but also like <laughs> really sort of mean, too, where I didn't do it take a screenshot of someone's desktop with all their icons and then move their icons off 
so that the icons look like they're there, but they do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. my goodness. That's that's so mean, Michael. Like, I, I know. That's why I said I've never done <laughs> I know. That. <laughs> Come on, Michael. Oh. It was, you know, I gave a very normal you know, option there. What you're talking about is just ridiculous. It's extreme, you know? Not really. They're basically <laughs> equally annoying. Oh, okay. Doomsday extreme. Doomsday extreme. <laughs> I don't I don't ever want to have extreme doomsday. Yeah. I just remembered one that I had done years ago. It Jill? I, I made a you? Yeah, not it, it it didn't really hurt anything. But <laughs> in one of our, our Unix computers at school, I set up a, a script to where wherever anyone did a mouse mouse click, uh excise would launch. So so there would be all these eyeballs. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Hundreds after they kept Every clicking. time you click, you have Big Brother yeah. eyeball popping up. Yeah, nice. my that's students a, got a good kick out of that. <laughs> that's a good one. That definitely doesn't hurt anything. And also in the chat, yeah. there's another one that, that was great in the live chat. Put tape over the mouse sensor on, oh, the, on yeah. the optical mouse or laser mouse, and then that's it wouldn't work. One. And all you got to do is just undo it, so it's not a big deal. But that would definitely annoy some people. <laughs> oh. I had some of my students taking take out the mice balls out of the mice in class. Oh, that was classic, yep. yeah. I laughed, you know. It was funny because they put them, I made sure they put them all back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know on our forum some pranks you've heard pulled in IT or that you've pulled in IT. I would love to take a look at those. Maybe we'll talk about them on one, one of the future shows here. But this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by... Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. A password manager is software allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secure vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill those passwords in on your login forms. You can access your data on many types of devices, whether using a web browser, mobile apps, desktop applications, even the command line. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever even leaves your device, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux and get started, and it's completely free. Like, you can set up a free account. You don't have to pay nothing. You can get started right now. Everything else has inflation. Everything else is going up in price. Not Bitwarden. Very important tool for you to have in your arsenal is Bitwarden, but for $10 a year, you can get the premium service and get gigabyte encrypted file stores, two-step login with YubiKey, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support. Remember I told you I converted a family member recently to Bitwarden? Mm -hmm. We signed up for the free account using bitwarden.com slash tux, of course. But then I received a call the next week and they were like, hey, can I just go ahead and sign up for the premium thing? Do I need to use your code for that? And I was like, no, just go ahead and sign up for the premium thing because we already signed up using the Tux, but they wanted to probably, and they're not even in open source of technology, but they love the tool so much that they wanted, called me to figure out how they can pay for it, pay something for this tool because it's helped them so much. Um, you get awesome. all of this for less than a dollar per month. It's insane. Go to bitwarden.com slash Tux and get started right now. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. So I got some cool news to share with everybody. So last week we talked about some issues with the, some 4K things that we ran into in various different uh, flavors of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu Budgie got in touch with us and they enjoyed the coverage of the show and they also were thrilled that we were fans of Shuffler, which of course is an awesome uh, tiling system inside of Ubuntu Budgie. And uh, Ryan, what's really cool is they got in touch to talk about the 4K issue that we found with the main mm. menu. Mm -hmm. They found that in order for the menu to act like what we were wanting to do, you would need to log out and log back in. 
And that doesn't require a restart like it did in Plasma. It's just a logging out and logging back in. Now, that's not something you would instantly know. So they said that they're going to be addressing that. So when people make those changes, it will give them a notification to tell them that they just need to log out and log back in in order to make them, you know, take it, take that's to effect. That's a fair fix. Yeah. That, awesome. That's really awesome. And just the fact that they're putting in, they, they contacted us, you know, in between these that last episode and this episode and have already solved the, found the problem and, and found a solution for it. That's just, that's an awesome thing to have. Like that's amazing feeling. I think this is what differentiates a lot of distros out there for people. When you talk about creating a community and things, when people are finding issues or problems, they could have sat there and been like, Oh, we don't have 4k or we're not interested in fixing that or we don't have time or ignoring it or anything else, but they didn't, right? They took this and immediately took the feedback and some of the things that we saw and they went into action to resolve it. To me, that just gives me even more want to play around with Ubuntu Budgie. It makes me love yeah. the community and the developers of Ubuntu Budgie even more because they saw something like this and they went immediately in to resolve it instead of just trying to deny it or ignore it or do something else. So to me, that just shows how much they care about the project, how much they're vested in the project and how much they want other people to have a great experience with it. And these type of little bugs happen in every single distro out there. And really it's how people react to them and go to fix them. It meant a lot to me that they reached back out on this. And there was so much innovation in Ubuntu Budgie and seeing this fix here now makes it so that people with 4K are going to have an amazing experience when they try a bunch of budgie for the first time, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that. And it's 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 fantastic. Like you were saying, it, it makes you like the, the, the project even more. And that's one of the things I love about Linux is that the developers are typically very receptive. If you report a bug, they are quick to fix it because they don't want the bug to exist either. So mm -hmm. that's just another cool thing. And it, it differentiates between other operating systems. We, they will, will remain nameless that will ignore you if you have a problem completely. And with every different, like most distros in Linux are this way. If you have an issue, let them know and they will try to fix it as soon as possible. And the fact that we set it on the show as a part of the review and they contacted us, that's awesome. Like that is even like above and beyond mm -hmm. the expectation of that sort of stuff. And yeah. yes, we should have reported the bug directly to them, but in our defense, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's exactly. my point, yeah. Michael. Mm -hmm. See, yeah. Yeah, you you understand. We're totally defended there. But I did. I did <laughs> put in I did report the bugs that came up and had the little prompt. You know, there was some yeah. Nemo crashing and things. Oh yeah. Uh, so I did do those. But yes, uh I, I think it's important though that the community, they're involved in the community and listening out there to what people are saying and going out there and looking for proactive fixes and not just waiting for bug reports because it's kind of hard to do bug reports when you are testing six distros in a row in a week um, that you have time to stop and do that because you barely have time to get through all the reviews. So in the particular case of how we were doing it, we had a lot to get through in a very short period of time. So there's a little bit of an excuse there. I actually recorded the video of the main menu having an issue with the 4K to, in order to send it to them. And then I forgot to pull it off of the live USB. Not you, Michael. And My goodness, I you're Mr. Organization. <laughs> exactly. Shocking. I am super organized. And yeah. so I guess really, in our, and to be serious, in our defense, we did kind of do it in the show, sort of. There you go. We did so, do it. We're awesome. We, we, yeah. Thanks we to us. <laughs> so happy that Ubuntu Budgie has fixed this and 
you know, from from watching the show and and our and our wonderful community uh, that some of them are uh, developing Ubuntu Veggie. That's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I've loved about Ubuntu Veggie all these years, I've been using it for a very long time. I use it on a, a production laptop that I've done streaming on. Is that the the Budgie desktop is so flexible and good at all the resolutions. It works really well on a netbook and it works really well on, on a big screen. And now that it's running beautifully on 4K, <laughs> even better. Kind of hard not so, to recommend, right? Yeah, it really is. Cause and it's also the oh it's also the desktop manager that I recommend from people for people coming from Windows or Mac OS because it's a nice combination of the two together. So it's easy for the new users to get around. So Ubuntu Budgie is a really good choice also for new users. Yeah. I would <laughs> put that on my list too. Yep. Yeah. You know what's awkward about this show growing as much as it has now, Jill, is that you mentioned about listening in the community, the developers. I've yeah. uh, done the foot in mouth multiple times now because I kind of forget how broad the audience is. And that a lot of the projects, so if I critique something, then I get an email from the actual developer being like, hey, I listened to your show and heard yeah. what you were saying. and Or they're a patron of mine sometimes or whatever. It gets real awkward. So I got to be real careful critiquing stuff, you know, sometimes because <laughs> they're here listening to us. Yes. It, it's awesome. <laughs> and at the same time, a little bit scary <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, mean, I even stuck my foot in mouth itself one time like right in front of i didn't realize that at this event the thing i was talking about the developer of it was sitting in a chair uh. right there and i was i had a crowd of people around me and i was just slamming this thing and then he was he was like hey i developed that and i'm like oh let me shrink into a corner and die oh my god yeah. Yeah, I mean we really we are are the visual press. We are Linux, Michael. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't go that okay, far. Okay, maybe I took that too far. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, but I do think it's 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 interesting that yeah. you're talk you gave that example because this is just to say that, you know, we started from a position where we were just making a show and then we've built yeah. it to an audience that has the developers who are making this stuff and they Hopefully, they know that we are doing our critiques not to bash their stuff. It's just to say that this would be better if it had this particular feature or yeah. if this polish was there. And we would be happy to help test the things like with Ubuntu Budgie. They asked, would you be willing to help test the 4K stuff since we don't have that kind of equipment? And I said, absolutely. You know, For $29.99 a month, we will... <laughs> oh, we didn't add that? I, I, didn't, I didn't put any stipulation on that, but uh, okay. next time... Next time, don't Next worry. Twenty nine ninety nine a month, yes, for sure. <laughs> but it's just cool because they know that. Uh, well, hopefully, the de developers of whatever distro or application that we cover knows that when we do critique it, it's not to you know insult you or bash it. It's just to say that we see a value in it. That's why we put it on the show to talk about it and see like here's how it could be better. Yeah, exactly. Well said, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And another thing that. Could be better. Is <laughs> Michael's attitude. And if you yeah. have a problem with Michael's attitude, send us an email to comment. Uh. So that so I was going to make a joke transition. I'm not actually going to transition that way. So 
let's go to the next topic of the show, and that is a distribution that we all have some you know interest yes. in. We've all used it, and it has a really cool purpose, and that is for privacy enthusiasts, and that's Tails 5.0. So mm-hmm. Tails is a portable operating system that protects, protects people against surveillance and censorship. It runs straight from a USB drive. It's simple to use. It has They've added a lot of different new features in the latest version with 5.0 because this is a big, major change. And for those who are not familiar, Tails is the amnesic incognito Linux live system. That's it. That's it. Well That's done, why they Michael. call it yes. Tails so you don't have to say that stuff. <laughs> Uh, it uses the Tor network by default, and it, so it doesn't leave a trace on your computer when you're using the live USB and that sort of stuff. So, Ryan, tell us about what has happened in the new changes with version 5.0. This is just such an amazing and important distro for everyone out there, period. I think if you're traveling or anything, you should have Tails on a USB. I carry Tails on a USB anytime I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. I've used it on hotels and things, computers. Just rebooting the Tails, get the work I need to do do done and then reboot their machine back into windows or whatever. So if you have to use somebody else's machine, this is a fantastic tool as well to use there because it's amnesia side of it and forgetting everything. Uh, it's just a perfect tool for getting in, getting some work done and everything disappearing afterwards. And this is exactly what you want to happen with this. Also people who are journalists or individuals dealing with sensitive information and those things, um, this is a very vital tool for privacy. When we talk about things like Red Star and OS and things in countries where there's all this censorship and stuff, the Tor network is insanely important in those areas. Mm-hmm. It's just such a vital tool. So all of this put together into a operating system or distro that you can just put onto a single USB and run is amazing in itself. Now version 5.0 is now based on Debian 11 and they also added Cleopatra which is with a K, which means it's probably KDE, Michael. It mm-hmm. is Shocking, yeah. I didn't know that, huh? Would never have guessed. <laughs> uh, they're using this to replace the OpenPGP applet in the password and keys utility known as Seahorse. And they did that because this is more actively developed, the Cleopatra, so they switched that. Persistent storage. Some people want a situation, maybe because you're dealing with sensitive files or things, and you still are utilizing that portable OS utilizing tails, but you need to keep some of those files persistently stored on that device. You do have the option to enable that. Well, now it's enabled by default, so you can disable it if you don't want any persistent storage, um, but it's enabled by default for faster, more robust configurations, additional software packages and things you might be adding to the distro. So if there's certain software that you need every time you boot it, that persistent storage is going to be enabled there by default. You can now use the activities overview to access your windows and applications. I know this through the heck out of Michael because they've switched to GNOME and they used to not be yeah. GNOME back in the they day. They switched yeah. to GNOME. Apparently, I didn't know this. I thought they were still in XFCE, but they were. They switched to GNOME the version before. So I think it was 4.0 they switched. Yeah, 4.0. And the latest yeah. version has 3.38, and that's what they're referring to, the different features that you get. So if you want to get the latest version of GNOME on Tails, that's that's not going to be practical for a little while. So uh, the next <laughs> time they update from Debian, that's when we'll start getting the newer versions of GNOME. Uh, but I think that you you were saying that how important it is that Tails exists is like so like spot on. I think Tails is a fantastic 
uh, project, and I'm so thankful that they exist. I mean, I don't use it every day or anything, but it's mm. amazing for people who do need to have it for the per like for their work and stuff like that. And the uh, persistent storage is something that a lot of people have asked for in the community. It does kind of make me go, you know, it's not amnesic anymore because of that. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but you know, it, it, you, you can turn it off. So yeah, that for those who need to. But I, I do think that it's like I've had at times where I did something on Tails and then forgot that it was amnesic for a second and then rebooted it and lost all the stuff. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, let's not do that again. There's that. <laughs> and like you, Ryan, I've been, I've ran it on a USB for years that I still have hooked to my keys. <laughs> In fact, yep. um, it's the older version, the XFCE, which I, I need to upgrade. But but one of the things I, I've always enjoyed about it was I used to show it to my students and, and and tell them, doesn't this look like Windows XP? Because <laughs> you have the Windows XP theme there. Yeah. And, and yeah, when I was doing their introduction to Linux, uh, I always made sure to talk about that distro and how important it, it is and the Tor browser and Tor network. Yeah. Like you said, journalists, activists, anybody like that that yeah. needs to keep data private, whistleblowers, those type of things, then this is the type of tool that you're going to need for that. And in fact, you know, Edward Snowden and others recommend this distro directly as well. It's on their site uh, discussing that for privacy. And they've also added things like support for driverless printing and scanning in Linux, making it easier to make recent printers and scanners work in Tails, which is also important. Sometimes maybe you're not going to keep that file once you unplug that USB on that, but you need that printed out to hand to somebody. Well, now you're mm -hmm. going to have better access to be able to get the printers working and things. So I think that's pretty important. If you've never tried Tails before, you really should check it out. If you have that Ventoy USB where you're putting a bunch of distros, because Ventoy is like the amazing bomb.com. Is that is that current <laughs> what kids say these days, bomb.com? Yeah. yeah. No, no one says that, but yes. I'm down with the <laughs> kids' lingo these days. Uh, it's Ventoy is the bomb.com. It's like one of the greatest things in the world. We talked about it on a prior episode, but you know, make sure Tails is one of the things you stick on your Ventoy USB there. I'm so hip. Yes, you are. You are hip. Thanks, Jill. You're so hip with the bomb.com reference that it made me go like, yes, he's too legit to quit. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so. you, Michael. Thank you. I know what you're saying because I'm down with the lingo, you know? So I knew yeah. what too you legit You are down with the is. lingo from 1998. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Kids understand me. I know how to reach them. <laughs> how do we reach these kids? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jill... Take us into the gaming section. <laughs> what are we going to talk about this week? So here is a game where you wished you could have had good security in the game and the ability to use the Bitwarden password manager or the Tails distro so someone wasn't watching you. The Stanley Parable is a first-person exploration game and is one of the most innovative games of all time. It has just been updated to the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. And on Steam, the game describes itself like this. When a simple-minded individual named Stanley discovered that the co-workers in his office have mysteriously vanished, he sets off to find answers. The Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe is an expanded reimagining of 2013's The Stanley Parable. You will play a Stanley, and you will not play a Stanley. You will make a choice, and you will become powerless. You are not here to win. The Stanley Parable is a game that plays you. And the Stanley Parable uh, Ultra Deluxe 
also dramatically expands the world of the original game with new new choices, new context, and new secrets to uncover. And the labyrinth has just gotten bigger. Nice. <laughs> this game is awesome. <laughs> it has been visually upgraded to, to modern technology um, while still preserving the tone of the original game. And the game now has accessibility features, including localization of in-world text, colorblind options, which is really amazing and interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and content warnings. And it also has 8,000, over 8,000 very positive reviews and a huge cult following. And you can't go wrong with this game. So Ryan, he played the Stanley Parable for the first time. What are your thoughts? I am blown away by this game to the point where I had to stop playing it because I was laughing so hard that (laughs) I thought, I've got to stream this. I've got to get Michael and Jill together. We have to stream this. And I stopped playing. I'm telling you that I, I get into this game and it gives you some choices. And I decided, and I knew nothing about this game, Jill. You were just talking about on one of our Patreon after chats how much you love the yeah. game. So I bought it and I booted it up and I was just playing through and I just decided like that there's this narrator and I was like, I'm going to do everything opposite with the narrator saying. And then the narrator starts calling me out on it. And I was in, I was legitimately laughing yes. out loud. Like the narrator was just giving me so much crap. And I realized this game is like watching every move you're doing and it's just brilliantly done. It is such an amazing game. I cannot wait to play more of it, but I feel like I have to share it with people like the experience because it's just that good. Oh, absolutely. We need to do a stream because it is one of my favorite games of all time. It's up there in my top 10. Yeah. (laughs) And Michael, I, I see that your AI is at work in this game, isn't it? No, my my AI is much nicer. It's based on my personality, therefore it's much nicer when you go through the different mazes and stuff. Uh, but I haven't actually played this game either. The weird thing is, I when I saw the Ultra Deluxe, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I think I have that game. And I looked, and I do own the Stanley Parable, and I have awesome. never played it. And I don't know why I have it and never played it. Uh, but now I want to get the Ultra Deluxe version because of the bigger maps and the more content. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. So again, so apparently I'll be, bu- I'll be buying a game twice and we'll see if I eventually play one of them. <laughs> this game is worth yeah. buying twice. And it, I think the deluxe edition is $24.99, not on sale. Yeah. I would pay mm-hmm. twice that for this game. Just for that opening 15 minutes of play, I was la- like a game that can make you laugh that hard, <laughs> like is just to me geniusly written. And the voice acting. Jill, you mentioned uh, is Kavan Brighting. Brighton, Brighting, yes, Brighton. he's amazing. Unbelievable, the voice acting in this game, just so cleverly done and perfect for the story all the way through. It's it's just incredible. It's such a good game. Yeah, and to say that this game is story driven would be actually be an understatement because you are the story, and it is very meta. You are in a matrix, kind of like a matrix world. <laughs> yeah, and the creator. Davey Redden used Valve's 3D game engine, the source engine, to create it. And in fact, if it seems very Portal-like to you when you play it, it was originally an award-winning 2011 source mod for the source Hmm. engine. Yeah. I look forward to playing with it so that, well, I look forward to it playing me. That's what I'm going to Yes, absolutely. (laughs) 
Nice. Very cool. I highly recommend people check this out. Uh, and if you want to see some gameplay on it, we're going to pick a day where we're going to stream this one for sure. Yeah. Um, so that we can all laugh at this ridiculousness that is Stanley's Parable in the best way possible. I mean that. Our software spotlight this week is Ardnote. If you've purchased a fancy mm -hmm. two-in-one laptop with touchscreen and a pen, chances are you're going to want to take some notes. Maybe you're in a college class and you <laughs> want to do some drawing as well. That's where this software spotlight comes in, Rnote. Rnote is a simple vector-based drawing application for sketching, handwritten notes, and for annotation of documents and pictures. It's written in Rust. It's available as a flat pack. There's no excuses. Super easy to get this installed. There's lots of customization options, including light and dark mode. Pretty much a software design uh, light and dark yes. mode at this point. I'm probably not going to use it. Yep. So that's a very important thing to put in there right at the beginning. You have different brushes, markers, grids, everything you need to impress your professor or boss with your doodling capabilities. I was taking an MIT course this week that it was thing through the work stuff that I had to get done. And I was behind in the modules and I needed to get a presentation out. And there was these instructions there for this course saying that you have to use Microsoft PowerPoint or this other like web tool thing to create this presentation. And the web thing needed you to log in and create an account. It was only free for a certain amount of time. So I ended up using only office and created the presentation and submitted it. And they were none the wiser. They had no idea that I secretly utilized open source software instead. The professor doesn't know anyone. Well, he knows now if he's watching this, but didn't know anything at the time and already graded it. So too late, sucker. And they <laughs> said you had to have PowerPoint, but you don't. But then I mentioned this on Mastodon and somebody said that uh, isn't it interesting? Why don't they make you use software that has an MIT license instead of using at closed MIT. source software <laughs> at MIT? Right? Yeah. And I was yeah. like, dang, that's pretty interesting. I didn't good think question. about that. Yeah, really yeah. good question. So anyways, I was thinking about that because our note is something you could definitely use in a college course or class to take notes what the professor's talking about and those type of things. But only Office is just so good too at replicating the PowerPoints and stuff that people... Just don't even know mm. you're using yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And I, I tried out the Rnote application. I put it on my laptop, which does have a touchscreen and a pen support. And it is surprisingly good. I mean, not to say that I expected it to be bad or anything. I just didn't expect it to be as good as it is. It's yeah. very cool. You can put images in. You can draw on it. You can do all sorts of handwriting stuff. And I, I, I enjoyed it. I think that I would probably use it a lot more now that I know it exists. <laughs> Yeah, and you actually can't enter text using a keyboard yet, but I know that feature will be coming. Um, the, the other alternatives, Zernal++ uh, or Write, have that feature. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that is going to be coming soon. And Arno, I was really impressed by it, and I used it with my Wacom Bamboo tablet, and it worked beautifully. Nice. Nice. I, that was one thing I, I didn't test it at the time, but I hope that it's a future that's planned because if this was possible, it would be amazing to be able to do handwrite, handwritten notes that then can be OCR'd. That yeah. would be amazing. Now, obviously, I wouldn't work for me because my handwriting is atrocious, but just the idea of having that as an option would be fantastic. Just knowing if one day you improved your handwriting, yes. that it could work. Yes. That I could <laughs> have a benefit. I'd have a reason to have good handwriting. There we go. That's what it is. I agree. The OCR add-in to this would make it just absolutely the perfect note-taking app for everyone out there. So I hope the R-Note team has some folks in there that can create that. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be awesome. 
And also, let's go to the tip of the week because our tip of the week this week is don't be like Ryan. What? Don't, don't, <laughs> How is that a tip of the week? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I did, You didn't let me finish. Oh, okay. All right, don't continue. stick with the defaults like Ryan does. That's, uh, that's, that's what I was yeah. saying. That is true. But, I stick with the defaults. <laughs> but seriously, uh, nearly all programs that are available uh, basically to replace existing software or just in general, not every application, but basically every application it's very shocking if i run into an application that doesn't have it and if i do run into one i specifically request that they add it because we're talking about keyboard shortcuts or key bindings and these are super powerful and allows you to customize an application or even your system in a lot of different ways so a great example of that is blender or caden live you can basically customize the full key binding of the application. And also, for example, with Caden Live, if you are familiar with Adobe products, you can use the shortcuts from K Premiere and be able to kind of download those key bindings and put them into Premiere or put them into Caden Live to it so it's like a Premiere effect. And the same thing with Inkscape. There is a way to download and put in the same shortcuts that uh, Illustrator would have and stuff like that. It's very cool to be able to do that. And you can customize most of applications to whatever you want to do. And once you get used to doing keyboard shortcuts, you're going to never want to not have them. That's why when I have an application mm -hmm. that doesn't have them, I request <laughs> that they add them because I use yeah. them all the time. And there's so many different ways of doing keyboard shortcuts. There's the regular default keyboards like uh, Control C and Control V, like a copy and paste. And then there's also the sequence shortcuts that are in the menus. And that's very, I'll, I'll talk about that in next week's episode because that kind of needs a little bit more detail of how those work. So be sure to subscribe to the show if you want to learn more about that tip for next week. But this oh, tip is awesome. super vital because if you think about it, a lot of times we're able in our homes to utilize the tools that we want. But when we go into the workplace, whether you're working with clients that you have no control over the infrastructure or even your workplace itself, maybe you're not in the capability to utilize the software you want or some open source software. You don't want a situation where if they put Adobe Premiere and asked you to do something in front of you, that you're completely lost. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take those standard key bindings of say Adobe Premiere and utilize those into Caden Live, then if you ever had to use one of these at a client's computer or something else and had to edit something on the go, those you're going to have all the ability to do it right there. You're going to be familiar no matter which product you're jumping to in order to do that. And so I think it is really important to take some of these software packages that unfortunately become the norm, like the Adobe stuff, and take those key bindings and move them into some of this open source software. If, you, if you're one of those people who may find themselves having to, in their work or other things, work with some of these other software and change those bindings over so you're comfortable no matter where you're at. I think that's a brilliant tip for people and will make you much more productive and not fearful when they're like, oh, well, I use Adobe Premiere if you want to do it here. And you'd be like, oh, no, what do I do? Nothing makes yeah. sense. And this is kind of a requirement for industry standard programs to have this ability to uh, customize you know, your workspace and your key bindings. And in fact, in Blender, you can actually use the key bindings by default of Autodesk 3ds yeah. Max, uh, which which is wonderful because I had students coming from Autodesk to Blender, and um, I have in Blender I have mine customized to use a combination of key bindings from Maya and Moto and 3D Studio Max. So <laughs> yeah, I use Vim commands in Blender. He customizes <laughs> everything to work like Vim. That's what yeah. <laughs> 
And if you believe that, I have some land to sell you. All right. <laughs> we also have the big announcement we made last week that scale July 28th through the 31st, you are going to see Michael. You are going to see Jill. You are going to see me. We will all be there at scale. And some of our patrons are coming to scale yes. now too. We are very excited for everyone. We hope everyone can make it out to scale. We're going to be doing some, we, of course, we won't have a regular DL show that week, but we'll be uploading YouTube videos. We will be doing some a video of our first meet, of course. Yay. Me and Michael are definitely Hats. going to do some parkour yes. uh, to show off We're our mad skills. Cameras. Yes. Yeah. All that type of stuff is going to happen there. It's going to be a heck of an event. You do not want to miss scale this year because... Jill's going to be there, most importantly, but Michael and me too. So yes. that's something. But even <laughs> if you do, crew. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to be there. But if you're not able to make it, that's okay. Because we're going to be still releasing some videos and all sorts yes. of stuff. And you will get to see us do some parkour. Because that's yeah. when we got the action cameras to make sure everybody gets to enjoy the extreme, extreme. action that we provide on this, ch on this show. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just gonna Jill, we, is there a skill? We need to do a do they TikTok challenge TikTok together. Challenge, no. Yes, dance we, challenge. Yes, no, we we no. we need to challenge each other to different no. TikTok dances. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Jill, this is a fantastic idea. As long as it's idea. not on TikTok, if, I'm down. If we can't if post the community it on TikTok, wants to though. make sure Ryan does this, let's put it in the, the show notes. We're gonna vote on it. Make sure that you you let him know that we need oh to do gosh. these TikTok challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have this confirmed yet, but I'm hearing Brandon from Pseudo Show is showing up as well. So you may get Ooh multiple show guests yes. here, which would be quite amazing. So skill and is we'll the maybe place get to him be. to do some TikTok dances too. <laughs> Brandon yeah. would rock some TikTok dancing. He looks like he's just a mad dancer. Like as soon as that yeah, camera's does, off the Pseudo Show, he's just dancing like crazy. Yep. He's yeah. like, it's like, all right, fun. finished. Oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, instead of YMCA, we can do Linux. L I N U X. L I N U X. L I N U X. Yeah. Oh, we can do it. Yeah, we can rock that. I don't know. L. We'll work on it. No, we could do L. U X. Yeah, there we go. All right. I don't know what's happening, but. It'll be even crazier at scale. If you like this, <laughs> you definitely want to show up to scale. Well, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, live at dlnlive.com. And the best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. We can't wait to see you in the chat. We also have our glorious patrons with us. They get perks like unedited versions of the show, and also they get to hang out with us in the patron-only post-show that happens in our 60,000-square-foot virtual stadium every week after the show. And you can join us by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. There's also ways to contribute to other shows on the network, but go there to, check, to become a patron so you can join us in the patron-only post-show. And also, you can go to the store. All the links are going to be at tuxdigital.com, so you can just bookmark that. Everything's at tuxdigital.com, so you can pick up some swag at the store with t-shirts, hoodies, <laughs> mugs, <laughs> stickers, and so much more stuff. So go there, tuxdigital.com. Did I say it enough times? Yes. Digital.com? <laughs> awesome. right, cool. You said tuxdigital.com. The more the merrier. Perfect. Yeah. So make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. Tux we have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the <laughs> Dos <Dog's> Geek Channel. 
<laughs> Linux out loud. Hardware addicts, games fear, and put your cowboy hats on and join our Saturday Linux user group, Linux Saloon. So everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Nice. And everybody have a great week. And remember, Doomsday is right around the corner. Isn't that how we end it? I think you need yeah. to try again. One more time, Ryan. One more time. One more time. All right. Yeah, one more time. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just going to lead to Doomsday. That again, you, you got you got closer. You got closer. That was like <laughs> half of it. That was half of the right one. I My mic was cutting off my vision. Oh, here, okay. So you let couldn't me, see it yeah, properly. I, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. One more time. Let's take it from the top. I'll, I'll count you in. I'll count you in. Okay. Three, two. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Happy Mother's Day. Love you. To all the beautiful mothers out hey. there. We love you. Because like without you, yep. we wouldn't even exist. You'd be like a snap True. of the finger Thanos yeah. thing. So <laughs> love our mothers. Love to all the mothers out there. <laughs> we love your faces.